You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the final, unfortunately, live Locked On Wolves postcast. Uh, my name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm here with Chilanga from Zone Coverage and the Locked On, or excuse me, the CND NBA show. Man, uh, mine's going everywhere right now. So the season just ended. Uh, here we are doing the live postcast. Uh, and Chilanga, you just did uh, some of the press conferences there at Target Center. We'll start with some just, just some general thoughts from the game. Uh, I mean, obviously... Really disappointing. A lot of similarities between this loss and uh, really all of them, except for game two in this series. Um, you know, three of the four Timberwolves losses had really similar game flows, really. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what what addition or what initial thoughts do you have off the top? Yeah, I mean, I think if if we start at the beginning of the game, I was really um, it was the positive sign from the beginning is that early on it seemed like the Wolves were super intentional about attacking John Morant. Uh, they switched Jaw onto uh, Anthony Edwards multiple times in the first quarter and got him going right away, which was like a, a strategic difference that I saw. And I don't know if it was a mindset thing from Ant of like watching the tape and seeing like, oh, you know what, I wasn't taking advantage of this mismatch, or mm-hmm. if it was the Wolves, uh, you know, and Chris Finch saying like, we are going to do this and we're going to attack this from the beginning. Um, either way, it really worked, and it, it, you know, he had what 21 first half points. It looked like he was on. Yeah pace for like a really amazing night ended up a little bit disappointing in the end yeah i i mean uh we yeah we, we have to start with the ant uh you know first half what did he i think it was i think he had 20 at halftime but he had like 16 or something in the first quarter if i'm not mistaken yeah and uh like you said they were hunting that matchup they were you know when they were having small screen to try and get the switches to get to get john ant and and that was really key clearly part of the game plan early and the grizzlies uh one of the adjustments they made, or I guess this isn't an adjustment because it's exactly what they did in the last game, but they decided to wait until the end of the game to go small and use Dylan Brooks to primarily guard Carl Anthony Towns. And Towns had a couple nice stretches in this game. The Wolves actually got him his shots. He was just pretty inefficient. Um, and and this it was really all about Ant uh, in terms of the Timberwolves' offense. And I, you know, first half he was obviously phenomenal. He slowed down a little in the second half. The Wolves' offense in general was very reliant on transition minutes. In the second half, um, one thing I thought was interesting is Jared Vanderbilt was very quiet in the first half after he never got back into the game. Part of that's because Jane McDaniels was playing really well. The Wolves were, all, were also playing uh, Jordan McLaughlin a lot because he was playing well. We'll talk more about him in a little bit. Um, but, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt didn't get back in the game until the start of the second half, and then he injected them with this energy. The Wolves were up by just a couple at halftime, I think maybe three points. And um, Vanderbilt had a great stint at the beginning of the third quarter, and then he left, and we didn't see him again. Um, it, what? Any thoughts on that? I thought that was a little bit strange because even though this, he had a couple quiet games and a couple really good ones, it felt like his presence and that energy and, and the defense could have been useful in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a little bit tough down the stretch, especially when McDaniel's is rolling because the biggest one of the biggest issues I think that down the stretch there are two big issues: the Wolves' offensive execution and their defensive rebounding. Those have been sort of the Achilles heels constantly in these fourth quarter mm-hmm. comebacks for the Grizz, um, and so it it's tough with the with the lineup combinations wanting to keep obviously one of either D'Lo or Pat Bev in the game, wanting to keep McDaniel's in the game because he's hot. And J-Mac, because he was hot too, you know, it, it 
sort of feels like maybe there's what just wasn't room for Jared Vanderbilt in the rotation. But, you know, I would have liked to see the Wolves go a little bit big. Well, the Grizzlies were small because it's not like they would be giving up anything defensively on the perimeter with Vanderbilt and McDaniels at the three and the four. Um, and he would have helped a lot down the stretch when the Grizzlies seemed to get offensive rebounds at will. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is is the rebounding thing. I, I mean, obviously, that was a theme coming into the series. It was a theme throughout the series. The Timberwolves were out-rebounded in every game, including the two that they won, um, and and drastically so in game one, which was a pretty easy win. They were, I think, were a minus 13 on the glass. But uh, the Grizzlies came into the series, as everyone knows, the best offensive rebounding team in the league. The Wolves were 27th in defensive rebound rate in the regular season. And in this game, they gave up 17 offensive rebounds, and it felt like it felt like, I don't know, 16 of them were in the final five minutes of the game. Obviously, that's not true, but there were a couple of those possessions. It was just rebound after rebound, and it, it just combination of Brandon Clark being really good and Jaron Jackson Jr. not being in as much foul trouble in this game and actually being able to play 30-plus minutes. Uh, but that was a really tough a really tough uh, deal for the Wolves at the end of the game was just the complete and utter inability to grab rebounds. Again, 17 offensive rebounds for Memphis. Overall for the game, the Wolves are a minus 19 on the glass, which is not a recipe to win a playoff game. Also of note, the Timberwolves had a huge free throw advantage in the first half. I don't know exactly what it was, but I think the Grizzlies had attempted like six or seven free throws by halftime. They finished the game. The Wolves actually only attempted two more free throws than Memphis all game long. And for the first time this series, I'm almost positive, the Wolves were actually outshot in terms of percentage at the free throw line. They missed. I mean, the Wolves weren't awful. They were a shade under 70%, but that's obviously... It's not good. It's not where they typically are. They had some uncharacteristic misses at the free throw line as well. And I think that kind of low key uh, hurt the Wolves throughout the game. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that too. And, you know, in the second half, John Morant, the, the Grizzlies offense was pretty stalled. The, the Wolves started the second half on like a 17 to 7 run. Um, and then John Morant just got really aggressive, started going to the basket, got a few free throws. And all of a sudden, the Grizzlies offense was clicking again. You know, it's, it's, pretty great for Memphis to have that weapon in their back pocket. Like, Oh, our offense stinks. Like jaw, go get, go get to the free throw line, you know, cause yeah. he, he is just really, really skilled at attacking the basket in that way. Yeah. So a couple guys we got to talk about, uh, let's start with, let's start with the angel Russell. Um, and, and what went down in this game for D'Lo? Uh, I guess obviously he of course started, uh, had a slow start to the game Had one made field goal in the first half, had a quick five points right out of halftime and then had a really brutal stretch in the fourth quarter, ended up on the bench for the final, I think, five or six minutes about when he got subbed out, four or five four or five minutes to play. And Jordan McLaughlin paired with Patrick Beverly in the backcourt to close the game. I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts on D'Lo in this game? And, and, and I guess small picture, this game specifically, and then we can talk really quickly, bigger picture, you know, what does this mean going into the offseason, if anything? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I thought he had like a great start to the game defensively. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he yeah. was super active, had three steals like right away. Um, really, you know, got the the wolves moving in transition. Um, I think down the end, I mean, we we saw that in, in this series that D'Lo just didn't have it going offensively, and you know, down the stretch, he was going to be taking shots and sort of stalling the op. I mean, that's kind of like what we've seen. And whereas J Mac and and Chris Finch mentioned it in in the presser, he said, you know, J-Mac was on the court and he was giving the Wolves pop and he was penetrating and getting to the paint and making the defense react. It's something that D'Lo just really wasn't, have, wasn't having success doing tonight. I, in my brain, I was like, you know, 
I think that Finch is going to bring in J-Mac for Patrick Beverly because just the the emotional side of sitting D'Angelo Russell in a winner go home game. And so the fact that Finch made that choice, um, I think that that was like a very bold coaching choice. I think it says a lot about, you know, how Chris Finch feels about D'Angelo Russell um, as as a player and like, you know, long term. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and there's there's a lot of room in the offseason. There will be a ton of discussion with with the way that things like already one of the biggest questions hanging over the Timberwolves moving forward is D'Lo's got one year left on a max deal. Carl Anthony Towns is going to get the super max. Like, what do you do with D'Lo? Is somebody going to be interested in giving him the max? What is his actual value? What does he mean to the Wolves? How much do we rate the Towns D'Lo? You know, friendship, which was one of the key story, you know, headlines when Gerson Rosas initially brought D'Lo to town, uh, which feels like a really long time ago, but just over two years ago. Um, you know, what does that mean moving forward? And now with the way that this playoff series went, because you go back to the play-in and D'Lo, I think he basically had two good games over the course of the seven, the seven, the six in this series, the playing game and a couple of kind of neutral games. And he had three or four really poor games overall. Um, mm-hmm. And to your point, he played well defensively early in the game, but the stretch, you know, a couple bad turnovers. I think there was one after a, a nice defensive stand in the fourth quarter, five, six minutes to play he had a bad turnover that led to a three the other way for the Grizzlies Threw the um, ball away. He just threw it right to right to Memphis. Yeah. Know? And, the, and there were a couple of those. There was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was like, in, yeah. Um, and I just, you know, there's tons of time to talk about this in the offseason, but sure. it's a really interesting thing. And I think your point about Chris Finch is an interesting one because obviously the Timberwolves traded for D'Angelo Russell a year before Chris Finch became the head coach. And, uh, you know, if Chris Finch was handpicking his point guards to run what he wants to run, I don't know that D'Lo is the guy. Um, right. Now, obviously D'Lo's got his... He's a good player, and we could have the conversation. This is arguably D'Lo's best regular season of his career. You could say he was just as good as he was in his all-star season with the Nets, and he was certainly better defensively um, in a very different role than what he did in Brooklyn. But this game was uh, – this series was really rough, and it's it's so crazy considering the four regular season games between the two teams and how well he played against Memphis. And Memphis obviously made it a, a key point for them to slow him down uh, in this series, and they – they did more than slow him down. They really mm-hmm. shut him down. Well, a lot of big, strong, long defenders on Memphis. And, uh, you know, that's kind of D'Lo's uh, kryptonite. But, you know, I will say it, it is new ownership, new general management, new poaching uh, for D'Lo this season. And, and so, you know, his place on the team is definitely like the biggest question mark moving forward. Absolutely. Let's talk about Jane McDaniels. Uh, yes, Jane McDaniels please. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um 24 points, eight of nine shooting, five of six on three-point attempts, including a big one that pulled the Wolves to within one in the final minute, minute and a half. Uh, three of four at the line, four rebounds in 33 minutes, and one block. Um, really, really good game for Jaden McDaniels. Yeah, absolutely. I, the thing that stuck out to me most was his defensive discipline. I, you know, He would close out and he would stay on his feet. He wasn't falling for pump fakes, which has been so frustrating this whole season, is that he would get in early foul trouble over you know, silly, undisciplined defense. But he was super disciplined defensively, so he, got, you know, he was able to stay on the court, knock down a couple threes early, and that really got him going. You know, if, if we want to look back on anything about this game, we can look back and we can say, look, the two leading scorers for the Wolves are 20 and 21 years old. This is a young team. The window is wide open. They gave the second best team in the league, uh, you know, a run for their money in the first round. And that that feels like a big W to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and you take a, a step back and you look at, like you said, 20, 21 years old, Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards each are just in their second year on the rookie deals. So there's still years left before they're going to get the big contracts and, and the Timberwolves have all their picks moving forward. And so there's, there's all these reasons to be super optimistic about this. And mm-hmm. the other thing I think is important to remember is the Timberwolves were the seventh seed. Memphis was, by winning percentage, the second best team, I believe, in the NBA this season. Yes, they were. And, and, and like the Wolves, people thought they – People like just nationally, like the 10,000 foot view is people are like, oh, the Wolves could win this series after the obviously after game one. But even after the game three collapse and winning game four, everyone's like, wait a minute. The way that they bounce back is really uncommon from that game three collapse. The fact that the Wolves had a double digit lead in three of the four games they lost, which obviously tells us two things that they played really well and could have beaten the Grizzlies and also that they have a lot to learn as a team. There's a lot to pull from this series, and it's not just a silver lining. Hey, let's pat ourselves on the back and say this was a good season. There's legitimately a lot to be really happy about moving forward. And this game, to me, the only real question mark besides the the you know the fortitude of this team to be able to withstand these runs in game and not give up these big leads, whatever it's going to take in the fourth quarter to understand like, hey, we can't collapse, or what do we have to do differently? The biggest thing is the D'Lo thing. I mean, otherwise, the Timberwolves have a really you know strong young rotation. They've the contract stuff we you know is a conversation for another time but like there is some room to make some moves this offseason Patrick Beverly's back again next year the core of the team's in place Jared Vanderbilt's on a team-friendly contract um there's there's a lot to come out of this series feeling pretty good about yeah and you know I the last thing I want to say is just Finch in his press conference he said that this season was setting a foundation for the Wolves moving forward um, and I think it's a very strong foundation. And he talked about the, how the Grizzlies are a team that and they don't beat themselves. Down the stretch, they they execute, they perform really well. And he said, that's just not in the Wolves' DNA yet. But that's something that they can work on. They can go back, you know, with the whole offseason of planning and work and film review and iron out those little tiny details that become super big in those really tight, you know, in the biggest moments, the smallest things are, are huge. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Wolves are, they, they, they got a team for the future. Um, and, and this series gives me even more hope and faith that, you know, next season, the season after, they can be real competitors. Yeah, and, and there's certainly parallels and quite a bit of symmetry between the Wolves this year and, and Memphis last year. I mean, Memphis won game one. They actually lost in five games last year in the first round of the playoffs. The Wolves pushed this to six and uh, you know went toe-to-toe with a really good young team in Memphis. And actually, the other thing real quickly is they did such a great job on John Moran. We've talked about that you know, in a lot of these, these postcasts. But I mean, other than like fourth quarter game five, which obviously was really significant, and he was pretty good down the stretch distributing the ball in this game, but they made thing, things really difficult for John Morant. Um, and point of attack defense was such a big issue for the Timberwolves team prior to this year, and even at times early this season, but much improved. And the fact that there's been that much uh, improvement defensively for this team this year is really, really fantastic. All right, uh, this is the final live postcast of the season. Uh, I hope we bring these back in the fall. Um, any final thoughts, Chilinga? You know, uh, I think we covered everything really well, Ben. It's been a pleasure. I mean, this has been just such a, a fun Wolf season. I have I have no complaints. You know, after the game, the, the a bunch of the crowd stayed and, and gave an ovation to, to Towns and to Finch. And Finch made sure to clap at the crowd as he left. And Towns looked a little misty as he was leaving, you know, waving the crowd goodbye. I mean, just, just a beautiful season for the Timberwolves. And, you know, I think culturally, uh, it's sort of a stepping stone to something great.
Absolutely. Um, be sure to subscribe and check out the Lockdown Wolves podcast and also the CND NBA show where Chalanga is one of the hosts and also he writes over at Zone Coverage. And uh, Chalanga, come on the come on Lockdown Wolves here this offseason a few times. I think that would be fun. Hey, I would love to. And you're always welcome on the CND NBA show too. So I appreciate that. Right. Awesome. Thanks for doing this this season. Peace.